Here's to the finest crew in Starfleet. Engage. Watch your back, son. I'm Luke. I'm Captain Captain Janeway of the USS Voyager. Captain Captain Janeway of the USS Welcome to The Greatest Generation. It's a Star Trek podcast by a couple of guys just a little bit embarrassed about having a Star Trek podcast. I'm Adam Pranica. I'm Ben Harrison. I did it, Adam. I got internet lights from my, from my studio. Oh, yeah, you did, didn't you? Yeah. Oh, that's like one of those sticks that faces the corner. Yeah. That's what kind of internet light you have. That's the kind I got. About that. I, I didn't set it to purple and blue, though. I did, I liked it more on a on kind of like a beachy temperature. I have an internet light too. You see it? You have an internet light? Yeah. Does it go blue? Look, I'll I'll go turn it on. <laughs> That's just a regular ass light. <laughs> you know what? Any light on the internet is an internet light. That's what I think. I guess so. Hey, if you're watching right now, uh, slide into the interactive chat feature and tell Adam whether you think that's a legitimate internet light or not. Yeah, we're running a live poll right now. (laughs) God, seeing my light next to your light really makes me feel like a piece of shit. All you got to do is get some internet light bulbs and put them in that non-internet light stand. And then they could be whatever color you want them to be. I'm semi-familiar with the economics of smart light bulbs. <laughs> and it would seem to me <laughs> that buying an entire light setup like the way you have would be less expensive than buying three web light bulbs, right? Yeah. I don't know. I, I didn't price everything out. I just I totally impulse purchased that. <laughs> Damn. Well, it looks good. Yeah. But it's so... You have a very deep studio. We have opposite studios. Yours is deep and mine is tall. Yeah. Mine is a weird, like, trapezoid shape. And uh, I have a a very acute angle in one Mm -hmm. of the corners. So it's really good for nothing but an internet light. I really like how it's shaped because I always really like the house situated on its lot that is not at a right angle. Yeah. You ever drive by a house that's, like, sort of askew in its lot. I love those houses. Those are great. There was a house like that in my parents' neighborhood that was semi-abandoned and we always wondered about it. And I was like, you guys should buy this house. This house is too Mm -hmm. cool not to get. Mm -hmm. And uh, like sell yours. You know, this one's going to be cheaper because it's all fucked up and abandoned. (laughs) Put the difference into fixing it up. It's going to be the coolest house in the world. Fucked up and abandoned is tremendous value, you guys. Usually, right? It's like buy the worst house on the best block. Well, I mean, you tell us and the Friends of DeSoto. How's that going over there? They didn't do it. They, they never took my <laughs> financial advice. I was talking about where you are right now. <laughs> wow. Absolutely savage. Uh, <laughs> the brutal thing, Adam, is that I bought like the third nicest house on... <laughs> The worst block. Yeah. <laughs> that rules. Yeah. Yeah. Just found out that my neighborhood is getting a Mendocino Farms, though. So uh, the. Uh, oh, shit. Take it for a ride. <laughs> the, uh, the gentrification nails are going into the coffin as we speak. Wow. Uh, really, really felt pangs of guilt when I saw that. Hope you got a fixed rate mortgage, buddy. <laughs> that shit's about to go off. Yeah, yeah. You recently moved. Mm-hmm. 
you know all your neighbors now. I'm still moving. Yeah. You're never not kind of moving after a move, right? Yeah, just got to keep it going. Can't get comfortable in, in one spot. You told me you had a shady uh, situation arise with one of your neighbors. Yeah. Oh, God. I can't believe you pimped me into telling this story. <laughs> I, I heard the, the broadest stroke outline of what you're about to tell the Friends of DeSoto the other day. And uh, I was like, no, 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 no. I do not want to have this conversation with you now. Save this for the show. I rarely do food delivery, and it's not because I like to enjoy the occasional pizza left on my porch <laughs> sent by someone else. It's because I like any excuse to leave the house. But I've been on my own all week. My wife's been on a business trip to the East Coast, which means I'm homebound with a puppy. And I ordered food delivery for dinner a couple nights ago. Yeah. Ordered from popular Chinese restaurant in the neighborhood. <laughs> I like it when my wife's gone. It means I can order exactly the things that I like. Right. No compromises. Exactly. Yeah. So I was very excited for this meal to arrive. And I follow the dot on the line that says it's getting close. Oh, it's getting close. But I'm on the exercise bike, Ben. Uh -huh. Uh -huh. And I, I had set it ahead. I'd set uh, a delivery time of 7P. And I was like, cool, it's six. I'm going to hop on the bike and crank one out. I find that those like set it for a specific time things fail at an extremely high rate. And I always get the food earlier than I wanted it when I'm trying to like target a time. Well, do you just want to tell the story then? Because that's exactly what happened, Ben. <laughs> <laughs> so... I'm like 10 minutes away from finishing my ride and the DoorDash person sends the text and they're like, all right, uh, about to show up. And I was like, cool, here's where you should drop it. Like, I don't want you to just leave it out by the street, like drop it inside the fence, mm -hmm. get the notification. Food has been delivered. I'm like, great, finish up my ride, walk out to the front. Nothing there. Huh. There's nothing there. And I'm like... I thought I was pretty specific about where this thing should get dropped. Look to my left, look to my right, nothing. There's nothing. There's nothing yeah. around. There's nothing on the sidewalk. There's nothing in the street. Go back inside. Look at the app. Look at the delivery address. Hmm. It is not my address that I entered. Whoa. It is a next door neighbor's address. That's interesting. So they, the delivery person had to put in the address they dropped it to? And it didn't match the one that they were told to drop it? Wrong, Ben. I entered the wrong address or oh. the application knew my location. Oh, interesting. Using its, uh, its magic. Right, right. And automatically entered the address information as my neighbor. And I had just met these neighbors not that long ago. They know my name. Yeah. And not only do they know my name, they know they didn't order... Chinese food from popular Chinese restaurant and the feeling that washed over me <laughs> was that of a petard and me being uh, winched up and over it and then slowly lowered onto the top of it as if I were trying to climb over a fence and I got stuck. Now this petard 
Was it specifically yours or uh, was it just a general petard that was out there? I think you and I <laughs> and all of the good friends of DeSoto can tell the difference between this story and the pizza story. Yeah. The pizza story did not have a name or address or anything associated with it. And it also had a good faith effort by me to find who it should go to. Or I like I contacted the restaurant. I did I did many things yeah. to try to solve the problem. They were roadblocked, every one of them. <laughs> did you go knock on the door or like make an attempt to recover the delivery? Did you did you like look in the, the, the window of their house from the street and see them eating your shrimp or whatever? I can see their porch from the sidewalk in front of my house. Okay. And there was nothing there. <laughs> which means I think the delivery driver knocked and gave. Wow. And I feel like once it breaches the threshold, it doesn't come back from that. And because there was a time between when I got off the bike, went to the front, went inside, checked the address, figured all these things out, yeah, a good five minutes had passed. <laughs> and I just didn't believe a neighbor wouldn't have opened and dug into that good, good food <laughs> in the amount of time that had transpired. I can't imagine eating food that got misdelivered to my house like in that way, like delivery driver handing me food. This is insane. These people are nuts. You want to hear a particularly Adam denouement to this story? Yeah. I'm like upset, but I also don't want my mistake, which is clearly my mistake, to make trouble for other people. You know this about me. I fucking hate this. Yeah. <laughs> I contact food delivery company. And I'm like, hey, this order number, I fucked it up. <laughs> it's my fault. And if the restaurant has been contacted by this neighbor or the neighbor has contacted you to ask what's up, what I'm trying to say is it's my fault. It's not your fault or the restaurant's fault. So try to impress <laughs> upon the neighbor that it's not your deal. It's not your, your screw up to solve. And the person at food delivery company was like, we have never gotten a message like this before. Let me tell you what my life is like. A complaint every five minutes for my entire shift. Yeah. And I was like, that's what I'm trying to tell you, man. Like, this is one that's on me. I just need you to know that. And you know what happened, Ben? I didn't do this whole thing for this reason. But I was delighted by the consequence of this action. This person was so inspired by what I had done. $50 credit! $50? $50 credit, dude, to my to my food delivery account. Oh my god. They were like, you're a gentleman and a mensch. And look, there's nothing we can do about this. And I can tell you for a fact, no one has contacted us with any sort of problem related to this delivery, but I just feel like you're special. Man, so amazing. Here's a 50 on us. What do you think about that? Hey, internet, how am I a bad person now for stealing pizzas? <laughs> I'm going to put this into some context here, Adam. My wife and I ordered burritos the other night and... The delivery came, and there was a burrito in the bag, and it was her burrito and not mine. Mm. She called food delivery company. You want to know what she got? $25. 
Huh. So when there's actually a problem and it's not your fault, you get $25. <laughs> Look, we both know that your wife is a professional <laughs> lawyer. Did I, in this, in my case, outlawyer your wife? I don't know. I think you might have. I think. <laughs> ben, I rest my case. <laughs> Philippe Louvois would be stupendously impressed with you. <laughs> right? <laughs> yeah. God damn. I was rewarded for being an idiot. <laughs> that's my life right there. Hmm. Yeah, I mean, that's kind of this show, too. <laughs> Do you want to get into the episode? Yeah, let's talk about an, an episode about fantasy, not the reality the, of our Marin. The gritty reality yeah. that is food delivery in Los Angeles. Yeah. Let's paint in pastel colors as we discuss Star Trek Voyager Season 5, Episode 5, Once Upon a Time. Reverse course. Unless you've got something a little bigger in your torpedo tubes. I'm not turning around. <laughs> ben? Hmm. I'm looking through my binoculars. Naomi Wildman episode, Royce ahead. <laughs> yeah. We start in media Sears Garden Center. Mm-hmm. And this is a deep, broad set. This is, they really pulled out the stops for this Sears Garden Center setup. Naomi Wildman got so much more jungle than the Echo Papa 607 people ever got. Think about that Echo Papa setup specific to the foliage. Yeah. And I know you remember this same detail. There were no mossy vines on the Echo Papa planet because mossy vines, very expensive. <laughs> as soon as you see the vines covered in moss in this setup, I was like, all right. Yeah. They really pulled out all the horticultural stops here. They look good. No kidding. I mean, a lot of the same ferns reprise their roles in this episode. Sure. But the mossy vines, those are all new cast members. The Meryl Streep of ferns is on camera quite a bit this episode. <laughs> so, uh, Naomi Wildman approaches a grotto and starts throwing rocks at the water. Ouch! There's a character that is the water or is in the water or something. <laughs> yeah. I would make a Lady in the Water reference here, but I haven't seen it, and no one I know has ever seen it. So, mm. yeah, Lady in the Water. What is that? An M Night Shyamalan movie? Sure is. Didn't wasn't there like a children's picture book that came along with it or something? I have no idea, Ben. As I said, yeah. I did not see the movie. I know nothing about it. This episode was uh, directed by Guillermo del Toro, and it's actually <laughs> Doug Jones in the role of Flotter, the water creature. <laughs> it's hard not to think that this might be a descent into type episode, and specifically a descent into the mud bath Waxana Troy episode from TNG. Yeah. The, the harder, the better. Yes. Etc. The faster, the stronger. Uh, the higher, the fewer. Yeah. I don't know. I don't remember how it goes. Oh, well, damned if we know. We're just here for some fun in a mud bath. But yeah, they, they're talking about this tree monster and whether Flotter shares Naomi Wildman's fear of it. But they got to find it on this mission. It's a mission. It is. And, and I wasn't 
particularly rapt at this point. <laughs> uh, the guy that plays Flotter is a real that guy, like a, a actor that still works. Oh, tell me more. What is his name? I had it, and then I lost it. I got Wallace Langham. Yeah. Look, look at Wallace Langham. You recognize Wallace Langham. He's in tons of stuff. Let's just pull up his IMDb. Oh, look at him. He's in Perry Mason. He was on Larry Sanders' show, man. Larry Sanders is where I recognize him. He was Phil. Yeah. 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 Holy shit. I feel like Flotter is the kind of character where if you were doing like a prestige drama on HBO about somebody like getting started in the acting business, this would be like an embarrassing part that they took early in their career, you know, that they think back on and cringe. Like, I feel like Barry would make a joke about having to do a role like this. You know, uh, yeah, I don't come down to your job and knock the dick out of your mouth while you're trying to work. Hey, it's work. It's paid work. You know, this is what we moved here for, man. You have to scroll so many times <laughs> to go down Wallace Langham's IMDb credits. Yeah. Like, holy moly. Wallace Langham is a busy, busy actor. And it is pretty funny that uh, early in his career, he took this one. He went from Larry Sanders to Star Trek Voyager. <laughs> what did that feel like? <laughs> I mean, you go from being in a prestige comedy to wearing something indistinguishable from what Jake Sisko would wear. Because for some reason, Jake Sisko. It's me, Jake. And also a blue latex bodysuit. But look at this. That was 1998. In 1997, Veronica's Closet starts, and he played Josh Blair on that in 67 episodes. What a run. This dude works. What a run. Playing Flotter did not end his career. No. If anything, it helped. It's pretty cool to play a character and know that there's merch for your character like within the episode. <laughs> That's got to feel good. You know what's amazing is he he did the ultimate comedy bridge. He went from Larry Sanders to Curb. Yeah, he did. In didn't just a he? couple of years, man, what a career! <laughs> uh, <laughs> I, I'm just going down a total Wallace Langham rabbit hole, and I, I need to start talking about the episode, Adam. All right, bring it back. They meet Trevis so quickly. Like the fear of Trevis is is allayed almost immediately. Trevis turns out to be really cool and a total homie and not a person to be scared of at all. In a way that is very condescending to Naomi Wildman, I think, and her relative intelligence. Like, the story did not expect her to put in a bunch of effort here. And that lack of effort is rewarded yeah. with a Trevis appearance immediately. It's clearly an educational video game, you know? It's not, it's not about being fun or challenging. It's about Naomi Wildman making the case that trees and water help each other. She's got a point. The girl's a thinker. Trevis is a Groot, and you see his face, you see Flodder. Why does fantasy just not look good inside science fiction you think because <laughs> we're looking at crazy stuff all the time in science fiction but there's something clashy yeah this is like polka dots and stripes 
it's kind of cartoony, I guess, which, you know, like that design, I guess, makes sense to me as a like, this clearly becomes like everybody's got fond memories of hanging out with Flotter in holodecks as a kid. Uh-huh. As we like move through this episode, there's a lot of nostalgia for these characters among crew members. And I feel like they may have kind of strayed a little too close to realism, ironically. Like, I feel like they should be more cartoony, is what I'm saying. Yeah. Yeah, but then uh, Wallace Langham doesn't have a job. Right, right. Samantha Wildman has some disappointing news. We cut over to where she is inside the Delta Flyer. Yeah, she's. Uh, it's bedtime, so Naomi has to stop playing the game. And uh, Neelix sets her up with a FaceTime with her mom. And her mom is like on the scrambled porn channel of FaceTime. I'm afraid the away mission may take a few more days, sweetheart. Days? Broadcasting from the Delta Flyer. She's on an away mish. But uh, don't worry. Bringing crystals home. Crystals! So you're going to love it. I got a very fun kind of TV watching whiplash from this scene because when we see Samantha Wildman on the screen and the bangers are dropping around her, I'm like, oh, is this death of Samantha Wildman episode? (laughs) I was excited to be here. But then when we cut over to the Delta Flyer and see that Tuvok and Paris are there too, I'm like, oh, she's going to be fine. (laughs) No chance of any problems. And then the whiplash back toward like Samantha Wildman is going to die again. Yeah. It was a great ride of an episode. It really is. Like when they choose to check in with the away team in this episode is very interesting because they do a great job of planting and then like taking away your hope for for these characters over and over again in this way. Mm-hmm. So on the Delta Flyer, another ion storm is coming in and uh, they choose to turn away from the, the shockwave here. Ah, interesting strategy. Yeah. And that's a like a banger and lights out to theme music. Our course is locked in. Good. Listen to me very carefully because I'm only going to say this once. These bangers are unusual because they're bright and strong, like a blue bottle coffee. Hmm. I don't drink that stuff. Hmm. They've been bought out by the Nestle Corporation, which is not a good company. Yeah. Everyone likes when we stop the show to say something like that. <laughs> why did you why did you bring up a brand that's owned by a bad company? After the theme, Janeway plays the last message from the Delta Flyer in a McLaughlin group. Issue one. This is a dramatic flourish that back when I was going to five meetings a week about some bullshit, you just <laughs> crave something like this in a meeting, right? Mm, yeah. This is nice. We have a recording of. We'll play that now. (laughs) (laughs) I've never been to that kind of meeting. Yeah. Where were they when the the distress call came in? Where was the crew? Because it seems like they're all hearing this for the first time. I think it's important that no one ask the tough questions at this point. (laughs) (laughs) The important thing is we focus on the recovery. Yeah. We're talking about an, a level five ion storm. L5 is what they're going to have to go through. That's the finger of God level, right? Mm. From Twister. <laughs> you know, I, I can't compete with this. Yeah. And uh, 
That's what they're going to have to to go through to get to the part of space that the Delta Flyer was in when mm-hmm. the, they sent this distress signal. Yeah. They're going to batten down the hatches, beef up the shields, and head in. We're not going to let a little bad weather stand in our way. They're like, okay, good meeting, everybody. And Neelix is like, hey, uh, the daughter of one of the people on that ship is like in the holodeck right now. What do we tell her? And the rest of the senior staff is like, Who? this isn't the moment in the episode where i wish they drew a bright line around naomi wildman's relative importance like i wish she was the only child on the crew i wish we knew something that made her unique yeah in such a way that would make her memorable to anyone else everyone acts as if they know her or know who she is and i understand that on a crew compliment this small that might be true well she was born in the in a previous season so like i think she is significant to them in that way but it would have been nice to yeah like have somebody give voice to that like they all feel a a special responsibility toward her or something that was what i was going for like not that this is just a child of a crew person but a special child of the crew people yeah Neelix is arguing for, let's just not tell her anything. Let's not scare her. Let's not say, hey, we don't know where your mom is. She may be in danger. Because uh, this is a very sensitive child we're dealing with here. Right. There's coffee in your mission to keep her occupied. We see just how sensitive she is to other alien races (laughs) in the mess hall (laughs) when she sits down to a snack with Neelix. Naomi has some pretty retrograde thoughts about Seven of nine that make you wonder if Samantha Wildman taught her how to hate. I don't want to be in her collective. I don't think there's much danger of that. Yeah, it's like, who's raising this kid? Because, you know, if Seven has misgivings about going back to the A-Quad and living as an XB in human society. Yeah. I wonder where she got those worries, you know? If she can't pass the Naomi Wildman test, what makes her think that she's going to make it on Earth with anyone else? Yeah. It's terrifying to to see a child this young with prejudices this deep. (laughs) (laughs) Neelix and Naomi are like sitting at a table and Harry Kim comes in to like pull Neelix away to ask how Naomi is doing, but that exposes her to Borg attack. Yeah. In the form of Seven of Nine asking if she can sit down at that table. She pulls a full, like, Forrest Gump bus routine. Is this chair occupied? I really love how you know how some adults are just uncomfortable talking to kids? How that is a order of magnitude more true for Seven in this interaction? (laughs) Yeah. It's great. Yeah. The doc should volunteer her for babysitting or something like this seems like a socialization that seven could use yeah i could use it i would love that episode i don't know how to talk to kids don't tell mom the babysitters of borgs (laughs) (laughs) so back in the delta flyer they're zooming around trying to dodge this ion storm this big bright ion storm and they're trying to find a workable planet to land on at the same time and this landing is rough. Yeah. So rough that when they look out the window, it's just rocks. They're underground. This was like a vintage TNG era shuttle crash landing. Yeah. We're coming in too fast. Hang on. 
be like everybody just like shaking your chair and then we'll turn off the lights and then when we turn them back on there'll be like rocks outside the window yeah <laughs> the flyer has landed it's big fun and after they land if you even want to call it a landing we see Tuvok is with Samantha Wildman and she is hurt pretty bad she's the only one that really took it hard yeah well Tuvok and Paris had their seatbelts on and she didn't hmm yeah, always listen to the flight attendant, Samantha. <laughs> oh, the flight attendant is an alien race you don't like? Huh. Wow. Well, that's what you get. Is Samantha your real first name, or is it actually Karen? <laughs> Paris does this thing. We forget Paris is a medical professional. Right. Or at least has been enlisted as one. And when he goes to work on Samantha Wildman, he kind of covers up the truth. Like, he kind of lies about her condition for her benefit, but she sees right through that. You're a great nurse, but you're a lousy liar. Sort of a similar situation to what's going on with Naomi back on the ship. Like, nobody wants to tell the Wildmans the the harsh truth. Yeah. Do the Wildmans have, like, a a reputation for meltdowns? Like, do they use (laughs) their, like, temper to control the way people talk to them? Is that what's going on here? That just makes me really sad. Give the Wildmans a wide berth. Yeah. Ooh. Uh, I don't want to be the person to break bad news to Samantha. Hey, Ben, you know who else was a wide and sharp berth? Mm. Naomi Wildman. <laughs> well played, sir. Well played. Uh, this scene made me think that they should get an EMH for the Delta Flyer. If it's going to be as independent a ship as it is, yeah, put an EMH on that thing. Well, I had a a related question, like the one medical kit that they have on the giant shuttle that they've got can't fix internal bleeding, internal bleeding somehow beyond their, their abilities Yeah. on a long range shuttle, which they should be treating like a starship in terms of how to pack it with emergency gear. It should have more emergency gear. Yeah. Look, I don't want to judge Samantha based on her anti-alien sentiments. But it feels like she may be embellishing her story in order to get at those sweet, sweet pain medicines. Because that's all Paris can do. Like, there's no fixing what's going on inside her. All he can do is prescribe painkillers. <laughs> it's interesting that Samantha Wildman has a different species of partner, right? Yeah. Is she like one of these alt-right people that has like that's like in an interracial marriage but is somehow more racist than anyone? I don't want to do the Samantha Wildman is racist thing anymore. <laughs> <laughs> it stopped being fun to me. Yeah, I guess racism isn't fun. I wish I felt the same. I'm giving you an order. I'm giving you an order. Is that understood? I'm giving you an order. And you have just crossed the line. Tuvok tells Paris that they can't leave the shuttle... Because, and then he gestures at the window. Mm-hmm. It's all rock out there. It's a, That's why. It would be illogical to think that you could move through all that rock. I love the hat on a rock hat here when Tuvok is like, and also there's a lot of poison gas in here too. <laughs> so like rocks, a major problem, but at least the rocks are also emitting a poison gas. Mm-hmm. You know what beats rock and rock, paper, scissors? Poison gas. <laughs> Do they not have uh, EVA suits on the Delta Flyer? Another huge omission. But scissors beat poison gas, and that's weird. 
Yeah. Why? I don't know. Do they pop the balloonists in or something? I don't know. Voyager enters orbit above this planet, and Kim picks up yeah. the probable coordinates of the Delta Flyer. Voyager going through an uh, an L5 ion storm. Not a big deal. Yeah. There's like a, a flying cow. I gotta go, Julia. We got cows. We don't even see it. We don't see the the event. We don't need to see the exciting parts. Yeah. They arrive, and uh, the planet is a dump. Yeah. Just wait till you see the pool. There's so much crud on the planet's surface that the sensors can't penetrate it. You fall into some yeah. crud or something? <laughs> I love Harry Kim's, like, like, in an episode where people are pulling every punch they can, Harry Kim is just like, either they vaporized on, the, on impact or they're buried beneath the surface. Yeah. <laughs> He, he's like as frank as Tuvok in this episode. So what do they got to do? They got to go down like manually, yeah. comb the surface. We ain't found shit. I was surprised that this was an M-class planet. Like all the poison gas <laughs> made me imagine that this wasn't. But I guess they said that when they were choosing it for their crash landing. So they're like, yeah, like let's get some teams together and they'll go down there and not die of the poison gas because it's, it's a fine. the planet's fine otherwise. The doctor has a little science class that he teaches Naomi Wildman. Today, we're learning about mitochondrial symbiosis. I like this part. I learned something. Oh, did you? Yeah. The one that looks like a little bitty potato. This never would have distracted me from an awful truth. <laughs> like, why are you trying to teach me this? Where's my mom? My mom is missing. Yeah. Neelix interrupts class, ready to take her to the holodeck field trip and another chapter in the flutter story. Yeah, because she's starting to like press the doctor for information. I guess you could say he's really saved by the bell end when Neelix shows up. Mm. Indeed. That's one for the listeners in the UK. Do they have uh, like canned laughter studio audience sitcoms in, in the UK? <laughs> <laughs> Jolly good. <laughs> yeah, they can't do it because people just say jolly good every time. Oh, you are a delight. <laughs> yeah, so they head back to the holodeck, which we learn from uh, the commands given in the uh, turbo lift is on uh, deck six, section nine. Nice. I thought it was interesting. They, like, There's like a scene where they're like picking which flotter story they're going to play this time. Mm -hmm. And the controls are like high up enough that Neelix is really reaching for it. Like Naomi can't even see the, the controls. Right. This is not inclusive design, first of all. But second of all, like if they're hard for Neelix to reach, like who is supposed to be using them? Not Neelix. <laughs> I mean, this this was a ship not built for Talaxians. I guess so. But he's not like particularly short. No. Maybe they don't want everyone to be able to use the holodeck. Yeah, yeah. Maybe that's the dark secret. The one that they do features a fire ogre, and uh, it starts with Trevis on fire. He's like, he's he's done that thing where you dip your finger in like nail polish remover and light it on fire, and it's like, haha, it doesn't hurt, it doesn't hurt. I never did that. You never did I that? I don't recommend any Friends of DeSoto do that. Oh, do it if you're like 13. That's when I did it. That's the best time to light shit on fire. I will not be sued 
for a throwaway line like that, Ben. <laughs> Are we going to have to start like having the jackass uh, disclaimer at the beginning of every episode? Yeah. Yeah, I think so. The Greatest Generation is recorded by professionals. Don't do anything you're about to see at home. And then we're just stapling our nuts to a two by four while we yell at each other about Star Trek. Yeah, that really heightens the sensation, doesn't it? <laughs> Sounds a little scary. What do you make of how long it takes Flatter to put out Groot when he's on fire? Kind of waits a while, I thought. Yeah, I don't think they have a great relationship. There's some suffering there that's prolonging. Yeah. I mean, like, they, much like mitochondria and our own cells, have a symbiotic relationship. Yeah. But it's not without its resentments, you know? I love how profile is how you do a practical effect like this. Like the SNL barf tube style <laughs> finger hose that Flatter uses here is so great. Like, Flatter can't change the hand position or how his body is configured because he's covering up the hose shooting that water. <laughs> it's big fun. They meet the the fire ogre, which is a real like Nagilum face situation. Yeah. Sure is a damned ugly nothing. There's not a lot of story to this. Like the fire ogre makes a bunch of fire, flutter evaporates, and the, you know, enchanted forest gets burned to the ground and it, you know, <laughs> It's basically the most horrifying Flodder story we've seen yet, which is why Neelix says it's time for bed. Yeah, yeah. He doesn't want any resolution to this story so that Naomi Wildman can go to sleep knowing that all was well in the end. Yeah. He's got to get out of there. Neelix is more scared than she is. It's a scary scene. I, I mean, it is a scary scene. I, again, was wondering- He doesn't want to get his whiskers cooked. Like, what does a Naomi Wildman meltdown look like? What does a Samantha Wildman meltdown look like? What specifically is Neelix afraid of? Yeah. And who do the Wildmans hate? <laughs> Those are all the questions on my mind. Yeah. Neelix later meets up with Harry Kim in the engineering section. This is a scene where they're talking about, you know, oh, yeah, I grew up with, with flotter stories. Harry Kim did. Loved playing flatter games when he was a kid. He is helping Neelix design a flatter toy. And uh, oof, do not hire Harry Kim to design toys in the future, Neelix. Yeah, like it's weird how much attention Harry gives to like the copy on the box art molded after the real flatter. <laughs> and. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> and like a very sensual looking pose on for Flodder on on the box itself. Yeah. Yeah. And like it's it's way more fleshy than Flodder has been <laughs> in any of the hollow programs that we've seen. And why is this Flodder dishwasher safe? Like <laughs> they make a big deal about that. Yeah. Kind of a strange feature to include. You'll feel like Flodder is sucking you. <laughs> <laughs> it's made out of those toys that are like the tube that perpetually yeah. <laughs> rolls what are those called oh that's like uh the water weenie yeah the water weenie uh, i looked this up this this doll the flutter tea water doll sold at auction on christie's for fifteen hundred and sixty dollars in 2006 god if this were a better episode i might have really wanted something like that <laughs> Somebody's got this thing on their shelf. That's amazing. Yeah. 
If a friend of DeSoto has this on their shelf, I would like to see that. Yeah, that would be cool. It's just totally fucked to shreds. <laughs> <laughs> it's been fucked and dumped like 10 years ago. Oh, yeah. I'm actually seeing the the purchaser here is listed as Garrett Wong. Oh, God. <laughs> <laughs> He's a friend of the show, Ben. <laughs> You're somehow suggesting that Garrett won an auction for a prop yeah. on the show that he starred on mm-hmm. and then fucked that prop to death? Yeah, yeah. You know, I forgot how ugly this guy was. Sad. <laughs> Sad what happened to that guy. I guess he used to be a friend of the show. I don't think we can count on that anymore. <laughs> is that what his podcast is about? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, they, they replicate this thing. It's a nightmare. Hi, Neelix. <laughs> Did you miss me? Neelix goes to give it to Naomi Wildman, who's sitting at home on her computer learning about evaporation. Yeah. This is the lesson of the of the ogre episode. You learn about the different states of matter. I thought it was strange that Naomi Wildman had unfettered computer access until we see later that she also has unfettered bridge access. <laughs> Like, you can draw a line between those two points pretty easily. Yeah. She's pretty worried about her mom and the fact that she hasn't called. There's been some talk of uh, of her becoming a, a captain's assistant, and she's now citing chapter and verse Starfleet regulations to Neelix about how away teams are supposed to check in. And uh, he doesn't really have a retort for this. Like... He really doesn't want to get into this with her, so he he just, like, puts her to bed. Something bad happened to them. I'm sure everything's fine. And then has an out loud conversation with a photo (laughs) of a dead relative. (laughs) Yeah. Like, Like he couldn't wait to get back to his own quarters? Like, yeah, first of all, don't do this this within earshot. I gotta blast out my grief here. Yeah. I can't wait until I get home. (laughs) (laughs) He's like... Easily within earshot of Naomi, but he's also got his back turned to her. Yeah. Which is like, man, you are fucking, you are playing with Fire Ogre right there, my friend. From her perspective, she's seeing the back of Neelix, hearing what he's saying, and also seeing for some reason kind of a a single shoulder roll. (laughs) (laughs) Hey, where did my flutter toy go? One of the amazing things about making The Greatest Generation is getting to see all of the cool, creative stuff that the Friends of DeSoto make when we do a Code 47 episode. People send in handcrafted stuff all the time, and they send in their books, they send in paintings they send in uh, crochet work it's so cool and uh i want a few more of you to have websites to direct us to in those letters i want you to put your beautiful work on display for the world so that when we get to look at it we can tell people where to go to get a look at it themselves and you don't have to know anything about building a website to build a website these days because you can use squarespace it'll look beautiful no matter what kind of device people are looking at it on. Hell, you can even sell stuff using a Squarespace website. Don't make your cool creative project captain's eyes only. Head to squarespace.com scarves for a free trial. 
And when you're ready to launch, use offer code SCARVED to save 10% off your first purchase of a website or domain. Boy, do I love a microdose gummy from Lumi Labs. I'm, uh, I'm running low, so I'm going to head over to microdose.com pretty soon and put in another order. Microdosing is a technique I use to steer my mentals in a preferred direction several times a week. And uh, I just love it because you can really predict what is going to happen and to what degree it is going to happen because these are very low-dose cannabis gummies that uh, give you an entry-level dose that help you feel just the right amount of good. And they've been super loyal as sponsors to Greatest Trek and Greatest Gen, so I hope you will give them a try. Get 30% off your first order plus free shipping today at microdose.com. Promo code SCARVES. It's available nationwide. That's microdose.com. Promo code is SCARVES for 30% off and free shipping. Microdose.com. Promo code SCARVES. Back for another game. You know it. What's going on? Just one more week till Max Fun Drive. (laughs) Hard to believe. It's been a heck of a year since the last one. We're now a worker-owned co-op. We raised $50,000 for charity last year. And we've added a bunch of awesome new shows. But do you think we're ready to do it again? Absolutely. Lovely new gifts are lined up. The episodes will be amazing. And wait till everyone hears the bonus content. Yeah, plus they know to go to MaximumFun.org newsletter, so they're getting all the news. Oh, like that meetup day is on Thursday, March 21st. Then what's bothering you? Me? Oh, nothing. We're all set for Max Fun Drive to start on Monday, March 18th. I just didn't want you to see this coming. Check. What? Hang on! Most of the plants humans eat are technically grass. Most of the asphalt we drive on is almost a liquid. The formula of WD-40 is San Diego's greatest secret. Zippers were invented by a Swedish immigrant love story. On the podcast Secretly Incredibly Fascinating, we explore this type of amazing stuff. Stuff about ordinary topics like cabbage and batteries and socks. Topics you'd never expect to be the title of the podcast. Secretly Incredibly Fascinating. Find us by searching for the word secretly in your podcast app. And at MaximumFun.org. Neelix has a nightmare this eve. Yeah. His nightmare is a combination of the enchanted flotter forest and him and some Talaxian red shirts running from the Metreon Cascade, which I totally forgot about the Metreon Cascade. Yeah, there was a whole episode about this. Yeah. And uh, so it becomes clear that this fire ogre thing was just like an image that was too similar to his war trauma and is re-traumatizing him. Like, hey man, maybe be careful about the games you load in the in the holodeck. Like, that doesn't mean the same thing to Naomi that it does to you. Yeah, I mean, if a horse kicked your parents to death, like you wouldn't enjoy Jazz Horse, the game, <laughs> right? <laughs> yeah, and you probably wouldn't enjoy The Last of Us Part Two either, because there's a good amount of horse riding in that game. Oh, I haven't played a minute of that yet. God! Damn it! I told you to play the fucking game, Adam! You've had a fucking week! 
an entire week with your wife out of town to, put your, to press the on button on your PlayStation. You don't fucking play it. It took me two days to load it onto my PlayStation 5. I got the PlayStation 5 with the disc drive. <laughs> and my friend sent me the disc. They were like, hey, hey, pal, looks like you could use a video game. Yeah. Make sure you give this time. Give it like half a day. That's how long it takes to load this game. <laughs> so I did it once, and my PlayStation's like, nope, nope, this, this disc is fucked. <laughs> and I look at the disc, the disc is clean. Oh. The disc is clean. There's nothing wrong with it. So I redid it again on another day. Same thing. Error message. Jesus. So I spent Christ. two days getting this thing loaded, and it hasn't loaded. Adam. So I got to download the digital version, obviously. I'm giving you formal permission to use the company card to download the digital version. All right. All right. Just do it. I have one more night left without my wife. I, I should get some video game time. All right. We're recording two two episodes of uh, of our shows today. In between this one and the next one, go in, get the download started. Good call. Then it'll be ready. Yeah. Yeah, then the, the dishes will be done. Pre-order some uh, food, you know, like set a time. Set Make the sure correct you get that address. address right. Yeah. <laughs> this night is going to be perfect. How many more times could I deliver food to that neighbor? Like, could I turn this into a bit? <laughs> a very expensive bit. Yeah. Where I just do this again and again. Like, how many times do you think it would take before I finally heard from them? That's an interesting... Man, I would be... Because that kind of flips it around, doesn't it? Like, that makes it an aggressive thing. Yeah, yeah. After the first time, why did you keep accepting the food? (laughs) (laughs) So you used your free $50 credit to buy another meal to go to your neighbors. Is uh, Is this across the street neighbor, brother of famous singer neighbor? No. Okay. No, this is next door neighbor. <laughs> is this across the street neighbor friend of person that wanted to vote for Rick Caruso neighbor? Yes. Wow. Okay. Well, a lot has been explained by the answer to that question. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So the captain at this point wants Neelix to spill the beans about what's going on. Your mission was to keep her occupied, not to lie to her. He's checked in with Seven of Nine about, like, you know, how's the scanning of below the surface of this planet going? Not great. And uh, I like the bridge scene because it's like you never see the bridge just as, like, the beehive of activity that it is when an operation that isn't really controllable from the bridge is being run. It's much more NASA control center than it is, like, cockpit of a of a vehicle in this way at this moment there's no news from the crash site yet right they're still kind of working all the angles yeah and neelix i feel like brings coffee to the bridge not because anybody particularly wants coffee but because he wants the tea Mm. no debris no life signs so far nothing this is a great ethan phillips couple of scenes here it really is because you know, the captain is like, hey, like, so you got to tell Naomi about the situation at a certain point. And he's like, no, nah, I'm not going to do that. And she's like, all right, let's uh, let's take this to my office. I mean, 
Ben, his no not gonna do that is like screaming in her face though. You don't have the right! Yeah, but to her credit, she gets him in private before he has this meltdown. Yeah. This is like if you tried to do your the first duty of every Starfleet officer scene and Wesley like came back twice as hard in the opposite direction. Yeah. I think we'd think a lot differently about Wesley Crusher if he had. She gets very telephone customer service with him. She's like, I can see why this situation is very frustrating to you. This is low-key a great moment for Janeway because she takes two outbursts to her face and remains completely poised. And and like, she's not putting up with his outburst, but she like completely gets where he's coming from and yeah. is sympathetic and kind of kendos his energy into something positive like he is he is freaking out he's terrified about what it's going to do to this girl he doesn't want to be the bearer of bad news and she's like well you like it's got to be done and and so you know when she gets up that's job number one i don't think i have what it takes to be a starship captain because just reflexively getting screamed at is going to elicit a not a scream back, but a, what the fuck are you doing? <laughs> kind of response, you know? Like, I, I can't not do that if I'm being screamed at. Yeah, yeah. And look at Janeway here. She's the best. She rules. Yeah, a great Janeway scene, a great Ethan Phillips scene, a pretty ugly moment for Neelix. Yeah. You know, not maintaining. You don't get the scene later where, like, when there's an outburst in the office... And then you see that person in the office later, there's an energy to it. Mm-hmm. Oh, shit. <laughs> but there's no follow-up energy examination to what Neelix has done. Everyone witnessed it. Yeah. Yeah. We saw what you did. You fucking yeah. freak. Yeah. Instead, we cut away to the Delta Flyer where Samantha Wildman is in a bad way and the Delta Flyer is in no better shape. They're trying to repolarize the hull, which would enable the ship to detect them, I guess. That's what they're trying to do. I, I don't know. Yeah, I mean, what's clear is like Voyager can't find them on their own, like without a corresponding beacon or bois or signal or or something. Right. And Duvok, who has been Mr. Bad Bedside Manor this entire time, is being very frank with how low their odds are. You weren't reassured by what he said? I really liked his deal here. No, I mean, like, initially, like, it's really panicking, Samantha, and then he gets up and, like, kneels in front of her and is like, yeah, you, uh, if you never get to see your daughter again, you are already a great mom, basically, Mm -hmm. and, like, we all have to take that kind of comfort, and, like, I'm going through the same thing you are, because I have a whole bunch of kids back on Vulcan, and I know that they're going to vote correctly when they turn 18, you know? Yeah. It's funny how similar Tuvok and Seven comport to situations where they're uncomfortable, right? Like, this isn't Tuvok's best skill, but his straight shooting here is kind of welcome in a way that Seven's straight shooting just kind of flops. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. But they're both valid because they're both true to their natures, but it's kind of nice that the show can get too takes right like that yeah it's the rare show that has like 
two Datas or two Mr. Spocks mm-hmm. on it at this point. Yeah, yeah, and that's what we got here. So Naomi wakes up in the middle of the night and starts sneaking around the ship. She sneaks into the transporter room and sees like a crew of engineers led by BLT beaming down with phaser drills. And body bags. Yeah. You think this body bag's going to fit Samantha Wildman? I don't know. She's in pieces anyway. We could just kind of scrape her in there. <laughs> like just the worst conversation. <laughs> uh, do you think we'll need something absorbent? I mean, yeah, half of her is basically pudding. Yeah, we should like we should see if we can replicate like a really big diaper or something. <laughs> we got Neelix's pigs. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I went down to the pig ponics bay and got Neelix's pigs, so uh, <laughs> they should be able to clean up the rest of the mess. <laughs> Naomi sneaks onto a turbo lift after this and wanders onto the bridge, and she sees everything. Yeah. She sees the big board. Yeah, she sure does. I was shocked that the computer just let her ask the turbo <laughs> lift to go to the bridge. And the computer's like, sure, would you like anything on the way there? Yeah, yeah. This is like that time when I was a kid and I got on the turbo lift and it let me go into the living room where my parents were watching an R-rated film. Ooh. <laughs> I heard the F word and the S word. <laughs> Farts and? Sharts. Sharts. <laughs> Damn. Yeah. Yeah. And yet you turned out the way you did. Yeah. And yet. <laughs> I know you don't want to do it. Do it. Coffee black. Make it yourself. I'm trying to help you see this as an opportunity to grow. Make it yourself. So Naomi runs back into the turbo lift and like escapes. And Neelix gives chase. Yeah. He fucked up big time. And uh yeah. when you fuck up big time, you gotta chase the girl out of the restaurant, you know? Neelix had one job. Yeah. At least he didn't like wake her up to tell her her mom was probably dead. Like, yeah. He assumed that she was going to learn this over cornflakes in the morning. Naomi totally Wesley crushes the computer because when Neelix asks the computer where Naomi is, computer's like, oh yeah, she's in her quarters. And when Neelix gets in there, he finds Naomi's com badge crammed into a very lifelike orifice (laughs) (laughs) in the flotter. The ECU on the flotter doll really lays bare what a terrifying nightmare doll this is. (laughs) (laughs) And you know what that means, Ben, when you put your com badge down? That means she quit. So Naomi quit the crew. Mm -hmm. She's murdering a Klingon on another ship right now. (laughs) Yeah. You know where she really is. She's she's in that Ogre of Fire episode on the holodeck. Yeah. Down in the cave, you know, Seven and Chakotay are thinking that they may be getting close because they found some debris. And then we cut to inside the Delta Flyer where Tom is recording a farewell message to BLT. A message that is just a list of all the ways her life is going to improve now that she is not in a relationship with him. (laughs) Look on the bright side. No more day-old pizza laying around. And you'll never have to watch another chapter of Captain Proton again. What did we miss here, do you think? (laughs) Because we come in during 
Yeah. But like, it is just bits, and then that's it. And then he turns it off. So long. <laughs> no, no bits on final messages. Like, I was thinking about the Tasha Yar farewell video. Yeah. Are these all meant to play on a grassy hill in the holodeck? Has he turned to every other member of the crew and said his thing to them? And then this is what he says last and it's to BLT. It's such a great point. Like at what point in history did the grassy self-eulogy fall out of favor? (laughs) Was it Tasha Yar? Was that it? I mean- Tuvok doesn't want to go out like Yar. He's writing his down on a on an iPad. I like that. Samantha didn't write anything, so she kind of raw dogs a message to Naomi Wildman. Ben, how hard of a time would you have doing this while other people were listening? I think that's low-key why Tuvok is writing his. I would be cringed up so hard that I would never be able to record something with other people listening. I would have to write it down or just not do it. It would be cool if they would go into the other part of the Delta Flyer. <laughs> you know, we've heard there's a cargo bay. Go there, guys. I would want privacy for this. Give her a moment. She's talking to her fucking daughter. You know, if she wants to record in private, she can fucking get up and, and walk back there. She she gets up and walks back there into the Delta Flyer's holodeck, and she's like, there's a holodeck on this fucking thing? But there's there's one little lunch pail full of fucking medical equipment? Really? She like manages to crawl back there, pulls herself (laughs) up into a chair, turns on the video recorder and she's like, Naomi. I want you to listen to me very carefully, okay? Let me tell you why the Borgs run everything. (laughs) (laughs) Don't you think it's a little weird? Yeah, she's she's got the InfoWars logo in the lower right-hand corner of the screen for some reason. Yeah. Back on the holodeck, uh, Neelix has found Naomi, but he is confronted by Groot and the Blue Man first, who are very upset with Neelix for upsetting Naomi. Yeah. Who is, like, behind them on a log. They hate him now. Yeah. I wonder if this liar can swim. We can always hang him from one of my branches. This is a real the cover up is worse than the crime mm-hmm. kind of situation. Like obviously mm-hmm. like nobody gives that much of a shit if Samantha's dead, but the fact that you lied about it is such a big problem. Mhm. This is semi humiliating because Neelix really has to grovel for a child here. <laughs> like can I pretty please talk to you about adult stuff? <laughs> And she finally like consents to this conversation and she has grown up a lot in the time it took for her to get from the bridge to the holodeck, right? Like she made some assumptions about what she saw and she heard, but Neelix is all about the sort of damage control that's like, look, nothing is certain yet until we scrape the bones and hair into a bag and have the doc identify the remains. Like we don't know. We, we don't know yet. We don't know shit. And also, I went through a parent losing thing that was very traumatic. And I hope you'll understand that by not telling you about the probable death of your mom, I was just trying to spare you from the pain that I went through. Yeah, this was me trying to do you a solid. And uh, I hope you can see it that way. Like the next five minutes is Neelix describing in great detail how his parents died in front of him. Mm-hmm put a bullet in my mother's head, splattered her brains all over my face and cake. 
And it really makes Naomi feel better. Yeah, I mean, at least she's not alone in this kind of gruesome outcome, right? Right. They get a banger on the holodeck, which is always fun. And Janeway on the 1MC is like, no time for holodeck games. Get to where you go when the bangers drop. This is a recorded message. It's a level eight ion storm is coming in. They don't even talk about those in Twister. I think it's just one to five, right? Yeah, what's three bigger than the finger of God? The slap of God. Oh! Yeah, God's dong. Fully erect. Keep my Ion Storm's name out your motherfucking mouth. <laughs> That's still funny, right? That's still a reference. Yeah, people know what that is. Yeah. So this Iron Storm bearing down on them, and they're like, all right, it's coming down to the wire. We got to drill through this wall as fast as we possibly can to get to the Delta Flyer where we're not even picking up life signs. It's a last second thing. They're going to do a beam out directly to Cargo Bay and then hit the warp and get out from in front of this ion storm. On this episode, we've set up a couple of phaser drills with water <laughs> irrigators. The water <laughs> falls over the phaser beams so that the geology around them does not combust on fire. <laughs> this works. Yeah. I wanted more about these phaser drills is what I'm trying to say, Ben. Yeah. They're cool. You get to see them. They're like, yeah. they're, they're kind of big like boxes that they set up on tripods. Mm-hmm. But you don't see what they're shooting at. They're kind of shooting toward camera. Yeah. You don't want to be downrange of the phaser drill. The beams seem really narrow. I was kind of hoping they'd be like, yeah. you know, big, you know, wide beam. Yeah. Yeah. The idea is there. They can't beam up the crew. They got to beam up the whole ship. And they do. Yeah. Like there's like this brief moment where... Tom and Tuvok are like, well, I guess this is it. We're dying. And then like uh, up on the bridge, it's like, they're in the shuttle bay. <laughs> Beaming the shuttle into the shuttle bay should be like standard practice if that's possible. Yeah, I thought the same Just thing. beam the whole fucking thing. <laughs> Sounds great. Why ever open a door ever? They don't get very far down this conversation, but Paris looks at Tuvok and is like, you know, there's probably not going to be another <clears throat> chance to ask, but... Uh, can I see it? <laughs> I've just always wanted to see it. <laughs> I mean, I don't need to touch it or anything, but what's that like? And uh, Two Fox says, allow me to freshen you up. <laughs> That's right. I wonder if Tuvok could have used any of his freshening powers. Yeah. He doesn't have super fresh powers, but he has like limited telepathic abilities. Why couldn't he have used them here? It's the rocks and the gas problem, right? It would have been cool. Yeah. Would have been cool. So Voyager uh, beams up the ship, warps out of there in the nick of time, and in Six Bay, we know Samantha Wildman's going to be all right because she doesn't have blood on her face anymore, which is good because when she gives Naomi a hug, none of the blood goes on her. Yeah. It's, it's a, been cleaned up. Clean transfer, no stick on blood. Naomi's like, you didn't have any interactions with any Borgs, did you? Yeah. <laughs> well, they're doing that thing where like they're hugging, and so Samantha is facing Neelix, and Naomi's facing away, and Samantha's like, you didn't like lie to her over a long period of time or do anything that would traumatize her while I was gone, did you? And he's like, <laughs> no, she's good. She's super good. Wink. 
<laughs> Our denouement occurs on the holodeck, Ben. Yeah. With both Wildment. Flutter remembers Samantha from when she was a kid and played this game. Yeah. Samantha kind of grew up with Flutter. Yeah. Kind of became an adult. He's like, va va voom, Samantha's all groans up. I've missed you. Likewise. And she's like, that's so fucking weird. You're supposed to be like a waterman. Who would fuck a waterman? Not in a Guillermo del Toro context. Flutter will get you wet, Ben. <laughs> She's really torn between whether she wants to go with the flutter or go with the wood. <laughs> Neelix is there also for some reason and kind of lets them go off on their adventure together. And when he turns around, he sees that Janeway is there. She makes the case that if Naomi is with it enough to you know, go through the scary holodeck programs. Maybe she can be a captain's assistant after all. Yeah. She's with it enough to do the hard things. And she's like, when I asked you to tell Naomi Wildman about the danger her mother was in, you went and did that, right? And he's like, yeah. She's like, good. <laughs> You're a good man, Neelix. And by the way, I also became an adult, thanks to <laughs> Flutter. <laughs> did I ever tell you about the time I flooded this entire forest? Everyone on this crew can trace their traumatic childhood experiences to this holodeck program. Can you trace a positive Star Trek Voyager experience to this episode, Ben? Did you like it? You know, I'm really easy to get along with most of the time. But I don't like bullets, I don't like friends, and I don't like you. I kind of do like this episode. Like, I think that this really does feel like it could be a, a mud bath episode. Yeah. And I think that the character design and the set design of the Flotter simulations doesn't do it any favors. But I think it's a pretty well done story that, you know, like telling it pr from the perspective of a child who's being like sort of managed and that being a way of telling a story really about Neelix as much as anything. Right. I think is really interesting. And I thought it was well executed at the end of the day with notable exceptions from the costume and set design area. Right. I think I'm with you, Ben. Like, I think part of the reason I like this episode as much as I do is because I reflexively kind of recoiled from it in the beginning. Like, uh-oh, my expectations were so low up top that I really did come around on it. And I think... Part of it is, like, when you put an episode onto a child actor's shoulders, you really take whatever they can give you. And I thought the actor who played Naomi Wildman was great in this episode and not annoying like so many performances by child actors can be. Yeah, I really did feel for her situation. I really did feel the fun when she was having fun, and I really did feel the fear of a possibly dead parent through her experience. I thought she did great. She really did. I mean, it was almost as strong of a performance as Ethan Phillips in this app, who really affected me with his two big scenes with Janeway. I thought those two performances together added up to an episode better than it may have looked on paper, like dodging the mud bath dangers of a Star Trek episode seems pretty difficult, but this episode pulled it off. I, I agree. I think it's a, a pretty solid one. 
Yeah. Well, what do you say, Adam? Do you want to uh, get into the priority one inbox, see what's going on in there? I say I'm already there, Ben. Whoa, holy shit. Priority one message from Starfleet coming in on secured channel. Need a supplemental income. Supplemental income? Supplemental. Supplemental. Yeah, it's extra. But the interest alone could be enough to buy this ship. Ben, we've got a promotional Priority One message here. No kidding. And it is from critfail.com. K-R-I-T-F-A-Y-L-E.com. And the message goes like this. Travel into the depths of space with Alien, Star Trek, and Star Wars. Experience the wonder of fantasy with Seventh Sea and Dragonbane. Explore a dystopian cyberpunk future with Shadowrun. Listen to great tales of horror, adventure, mystery, danger, and true love played out in some of the best tabletop role-playing games. Wow. Share the journey with us wherever you listen to your favorite podcast or on YouTube. Crit Fail has a story for you. You can find us at critfail.com. That's critfail, K-R-I-T-F-A-Y-L-E dot com. Critfail. I remember playing Shadowrun as a role-playing game. Oh, you did? You remember playing Rifts? I remember playing Rifts. I remember playing uh, TMNT, the role-playing game. Whoa. There were a lot of like uh, niche RPGs out at the time I was playing them. I'm just getting started in a uh, D&D lifestyle, so I'm, I'm, I'm a total noob, but it sounds like Crit Fail is where you go if you're, if you're starting to get weird with it, starting to get into all of the stuff. Yeah. Yeah, good entry point for that kind of fun. Yeah. Critfail.com. Getting the greatest gen bump. Yeah. Go check it out if you're into that stuff. I mean, who's not into Star Trek adventures, right? Come on. You're here, aren't you? You're here. You're with us. You should be with Critfail. <laughs> Adam, our next priority one message is of a personal nature. It's from Zook Shoot Riot, Madison H3. And it's to the horse came first. Pricker Bush, Scabby Balls, Peter Pants. Those are some great names. Goes like this. Hey, you wankers, are you? Don't be a JFL and find this message by viewing all episodes everywhere. I'll hair this FOD trail for y'all debaucherous degenerates. Calling all H3 FODs for a TGG slash TGT trail? No matter if you're JFL slash DFL slash FRB, as long as you're an FOD, Riker hashed, and we all know it. On on. That was real double black diamond stuff right there. <laughs> ben, our final priority one message is from fellow comrade. And it is to ICFODs. Message goes like this. Greetings to all fellow FODs in the IC. Whether you're DIA, NGA, or even NRO, we can all agree dick and fart jokes can make every workday a better one. Thank you for all you do each day, unless you're at DISA. Remember, you can't spell disaster or disappointment without DISA. Can I get one ping, Vasily? One ping only, please. Oh, and there's a pronunciation key here. Yeah. That I did not read. But you did good. NRO pronounced NRO. 
Okay, all right. NGA, DISA. I guess I didn't say it DISA. <laughs> That's the only one I blew. Oh, yeah. I didn't notice DISA in there. All right. What's DISA? I pretty much got it almost all the way right. So there you have it. That message from fellow comrade. Is this the Defense Information Systems Agency? Wow, what if it is? Part of the U.S. military? I, th- I think I know why this message is so unscrutable. <laughs> yeah. I can't screw it one bit. No. Hard for me to know whether Zook Shoot Riot dash Madison H3 and fellow comrade are like working together to transmit some complex code. Well, if you'd like us to uh, kick off your attempts at... Uh, some sort of a global takeover mm-hmm. via the reading of a code that we just barely get right, or any other message you might have, take it on over to MaximumFun.org slash Jumbotron, where your priority one messages go a long way in helping us pay for this production. Do it! Hey, Adam. What's that, Ben? Did you find yourself a drunk Shimoda? It's going to be hard for me not to split this one between Travis and Flodder. I just think (laughs) you get a couple of serious actors. Yeah, yeah. Serious actors with long IMDb credits, and you put them in the bark suit, you put them in the water suit, and you just have them clown. There's some clowning happening here. Yeah. You can't get any more Shimoda than that. So that's going to be... My vote for this one, a split Shimoda. I like it. What about you? Boy, yeah, I think uh, I think I'm giving it to Harry Kim for his uh, his design. I mean, he talks a lot of shit when they're designing the the Flotter doll. You know, he's like, I'm taking artistic license here. Mm-hmm. You took bad artistic license. Yeah. You did bad. <laughs> Harry Kim. <laughs> <laughs> so that's my opinion on the matter. Wow. Pretty withering. Stop trying to fuck the toy. Yeah. Maybe you don't need to go into that much detail, Harry. Yeah. Yeah. I think that's I think that's the upshot here. Well yeah. <laughs> Adam, why don't we uh fire up the game of buttholes, the will of the caretaker, and uh talk about next week's episode. Yeah, gotta do that. Uh this'll be season five, episode six. Timeless, when Voyager uses new quantum slipstream technology in an attempt to get home, a miscalculation causes the ship to crash into an ice planet. Timeless is my favorite Klingon hero warrior. Mm. Mm. That's my guy. You can have Kalos. Mm. <laughs> I'm going with Timeless. Timeless uh, hangs out on that ice planet with the time crystals, right? Right, yeah. I am also... Timeless. <laughs> I'm not going to justify that remark. I'm just going to move on. Our runabout is uh, in the basement. We've circumnavigated the whole thing. We're back on the first row. We're on square seven, a couple squares ahead. We've got a The Caretaker episode, and that would just randomize Oh yeah. the role that happens next. That would be... Weird. Uh, and then a couple squares after that, Coconono. You're required to learn as you play. Roll. I mean, so many fun opportunities out ahead of us. 
So many fun opportunities to ruin what we've already recorded. Here we go. <laughs> ben, I rolled a one. Whoa. Chula! Did I win? Hardly. So I kicked this over to, to square eight. It's a regular old episode, just like today's episode. Wow, Adam, uh, what an absolute stunner that you would roll a one. We've never seen this before. I doubt we'll ever see it again. Yeah. But next week's episode will be a regular old episode, which is reassuring because due to some technical back-end difficulties, we already recorded that episode. (laughs) Yeah. So that was a great roll by me. Yeah. Good job by me. Solid. Well, I can't wait to see what we talk about on that episode that we already recorded. That'll be next week. In the meantime, we should thank all of the people that help us make this program possible, Adam. Yeah. Why don't we start with the staff of the Uxbridge Shimoda Corporation? Of course, Wendy Pretty, the full-time producer of our shows, one of the greats without whom none of this would be possible. What a great first year we've had with Wendy. This is the... I think uh, Wendy started right at the beginning of last year, and this kind of rounds out year one for Wendy. Yeah. Thank you, Wendy. Thanks for a great year. Getting close to review time here for Wendy. I'm not going to tip my hand at all, <laughs> but uh, lots to think about, I think. Uh, I'm going to tip my hand. Uh, I think you're doing great, and that's not just my inability to confront uncomfortable conversation speaking. I'm being sincere. Yeah, I'm going to hold off. On, on my notes until the actual meeting, Ben. No, seriously, Adam, this is so stressing me out. Please just say nice things. <laughs> hey, if you're a friend of DeSoto that happens to think that this last year of production has been notably good, why don't you say something nice to our great producer? Yeah. So that I can save my comments for the meeting we're about to have. <laughs> also on the payroll, Ben, our social media manager, Bill Tilly, you know... Uh, we're able to pay both of our expert Shimoda employees thanks to the generosity and the thoughtfulness of the Friends of DeSoto out there. Yeah. You can be among them by going to MaximumFun.org slash join. Be a job creator. Yeah. We got to thank Adam Ragusia, who made our original theme music based on, of course, the Picard song by Dark Materia. Adam Ragusia now a brilliant food YouTuber slash podcaster. And uh, a, a good friend. We're going to be on his show again soon. So uh, subscribe to the Adam Ragusea podcast now. Yeah, so you'll have that episode as soon as it drops. Oh, yeah. Oh, we got to thank Nick Dittmore, artist slash designer of uh, so much of the original artwork that you see both on our shows and in the pod shop. Head to podshop.biz for a, uh, you know, if you're trying to get the new year started right, how about have some pod shop stuff to look forward to? Yeah, if you feel like you're going to be mutinying against 2023, <laughs> the time to prepare is now. Mm, yeah, get that mutiny shirt. Podshop's got you covered. <laughs> well, with that, we will be back at you next week with another great episode of Star Trek Voyager, an episode of The Greatest Generation Voyager that's as cold as my fucking office is today. It's fucking freezing in here. Yeah, 40 degrees in L.A. is no joke. Yeah, but it's like negative 40 anywhere else. Make it so.
I'm glad, man. Like some like geopolitical disaster may have been averted by our misreading our own spreadsheet. <laughs> That's good. Another accident in our favor. Yeah, yeah. Unforced error for good. Maximumfun.org. Comedy and culture. Artist owned. Audience supported.